0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for
1: justice and peace.
0: I will never forget the first patient I had who was my age and died. I'll call him Peter. When I talk about my work as a chaplain, I change a lot of the identifying details to protect the patients, their families, and the staff but worked to keep the essence of what I bore witness to. Peter. This was many years ago, and Peter was in a car accident. He was powerfully loved by so many, but his mom and boyfriend were the most constant visitors at his bedside for the two weeks he was with us in the hospital. Peter never regained consciousness. When he died, his mom crying said to me, there's so much we didn't talk about. I thought we had time. I will spend my life wanting to ask him things, wanting to know things. I thought we would have so much more time. Until Peter, I didn't think too much about my own death or when I did, I imagined myself old and ready. At 26, I imagined I would have much more time to say the things that were important to say. At 31, I wonder if that assumption was less about being young and more about being human. I wonder if we assume there will be time no matter what age we are. There's so much we didn't talk about. I thought we had time. Peter's mom's words are ones that I will never forget. More recently, I was with an elderly woman I'll call Josephine, who was dying after many years of illness. Her son, Ron, was at her side each day, stroking her head, holding her hand, and telling her stories. Ron told me how grateful he was to have had such a compassionate and loving mother. I was surprised when Ron quietly said to me, I wish we had talked more about the important things. We talked all the time, but as our time is going out, I'm aware of how much I don't know about her and how much I still want to ask her. When you work with people in times of great loss, great change and great stakes, you hear a lot about regrets. I've heard my share of them and seen the pain and the longing that they cause. One of the most common regrets I hear about is the regret of not knowing a loved one as deeply as we could have, or not sharing with our loved ones as fully as we could have. But it is hard to share fully and deeply even when there is great love. These big and complex and important conversations scare us. They ask us to risk so much and they beg for vulnerability. I see this in my work too. I remember being a chaplain student many years ago and listening to a cancer patient I'll call Rosie. Rosie was sobbing, telling me about all of her losses. She had lost her hair, she had lost her appetite, and she had lost her ability to play soccer with her daughter Ruby. Oh, I love that name. Ruby, how did you pick that name? I asked. Rosie was giving me a window into her pain, into the place where she most needed attention and compassion and I went off the scary but vital course. I went to a no stakes place and in doing so, lost so much. We have to risk knowing and risk comfort when we have conversations about the big, complex, and soul-defying things. When we do the scary work of trusting and of being vulnerable, there's a lot of room to get hurt. But there's also great possibility. By going deeper, our roots can become stronger. Our relationships can strengthen. Our sense of purpose can become clearer. As Unitarian Universalists, we use credos as a foundation of our youth formation. These offer a unique blueprint that could help us alleviate the actions and inactions that cause the particular regrets of not knowing ourselves and others as deeply as we could have. The word credo stems from Latin for I believe. A credo is a personal statement of faith Credos are traditionally a written narrative, but they can take so many forms. Many different religious traditions have a right when adolescents affirm the core beliefs of their faith. As Unitarian Universalists, our own adolescents go through a coming of age program, which is often a year long curriculum that guides them through learning about Unitarian Universalism and articulating not necessarily our beliefs, but their beliefs. This program concludes with youth individually presenting their credos. Were you raised Unitarian Universalist? So many of us weren't. Have you ever written a credo or something similar? Have you ever had to present a credo? can you remember what you might have said at 13? When I tried to remember myself at 13, I think that 13-year-old Allie probably would not recognize adult Allie. One strong-held belief that I had at 13 was this, God doesn't give us anything we can't handle. At 31, my heart cringes as I read this. But at 13, my heart clung to this. When I was depressed or terrified or feeling hopeless, I told myself this phrase that I had heard the sisters at my school tell us, and it gave me hope that it would have to be okay. At 31, after years of teaching kids who have experienced trauma, and then years of working on intensive care units. My heart cringes because I have known and loved people who could not handle what life forced on them. If we believe in God, what does this mean about God? Does God not care about them? Did they do something wrong? My beliefs changed because my life changed and my experiences shaped and evolved my beliefs. My credo at 13 would not have held. Mary was only 14 when her English teacher intercepted her note in English class. The note was meant for Beth and her teacher read it out loud. I know I'm not supposed to, but I keep thinking about our kiss. I know it's wrong, but I can't help it. Being with you is the only time I feel okay. Anita Smith, the principal at St. Gerald's, called Mary's parents who told Mary she would have no home if she ever talked to or thought about Beth again. You will not inflict the shame of that lifestyle on our home. Young Mary tried so hard, but she couldn't help who she was. When Mary's mom found love letters from Carol to Mary stuffed under Mary's bed, she kicked Mary out of the house. No one in Mary's family would return her calls. It was 1991. In 1993, Mary went to her first Gay Freedom Day March. That's where she saw Sally. Sally had a loving smile and and held a huge sign that said, I love my gay child, and I love you. Free mom hugs to anyone who needs them. Mary read this, and everything stopped. She stared, and she could not move. Sally saw, and she came to Mary and hugged her as Mary sobbed. Mary was 19. She clung to the hug she had always wanted. From then on, every pride event that Mary went to she saw Sally and she stopped for a hug every time. Eventually, their hugs were followed by coffee. Mary finally asked Sally, how were you such a good mom? Sally took a deep breath. She had been dreading this question, knowing the answer would disappoint Mary. I wasn't a good mom, Sally said, not at first, not for a while actually. Paul told me he was gay and I yelled and sobbed. I pleaded with him to be different. I yelled at him for doing this to me. I lost sight of what this was like for him. I watched as Paul went from a happy, bright, active person to a shell of who he had been. He never went out with friends. He lost weight and he looked like a ghost. I begged him to tell me what was wrong. And finally, he told me that he hated who he was. My sweet boy whom I love more than anyone or anything hated himself and he had felt hated by me. So I promised to do better. It didn't matter who my boy loved, I just needed my boy. And when I had finally learned how to be a good mom to Paul, I knew I needed to be a good mom to the kids like Paul who didn't have parents, who never got hugs. Once I really paid attention to Paul, I knew I needed to change my beliefs. Mary was stunned. She had never imagined Sally could have ever been anyone but the loving, accepting, hug-giving mom. But it took a lot for Sally to become the mom that held Mary. When credos are a one-time event, they are a milestone. When credos are ongoing and become a spiritual practice, they are a process. There's hope in knowing that our beliefs can and will change and there's holiness in this evolution. What would it look like if we made credos an annual spiritual practice and not a milestone? What would this look like for ourselves? Imagine if we sat down every year and we gave ourselves time and carefulness and intentionality to examine our year and to know what happened, influenced what we believe. Imagine if we documented this in a way that felt right to us, a journal passage, a worksheet, a letter, a poem, a song, How would giving ourselves protected intentional time to access our beliefs impact our actions? How would seeing how our beliefs sustain and evolve impact our sense of hope and resiliency? How would giving ourselves this time deepen our our spirituality and our sense of self. And what would an annual credo spiritual practice look like for the people we love and the people who love us? Imagine if we talked to our loved ones about this practice. Imagine if we presented our annual credos to our loved ones. Imagine if we documented our credos in letters or journals and gave them to our closest companions. How would sharing our credos with our loved ones deepen our relationships? How would sharing our credos with our loved ones leave a legacy? How would sharing our credos with our loved ones prevent the regret of not having meaningful conversations or getting to know each other as well as we could have. Jan was dying after suffering a catastrophic stroke. Her longtime partner, Sharon, was at her side all day, every day. Once Jan drifted to sleep and could no longer talk with Sharon, Sharon said to me, I am so grateful for the letters. She explained that every year since they had lived together, Jan would write Sharon a letter on her birthday. She always wrote the same four points, what I know for sure, what I want you to know for sure, what I wish for, and why I love you. Sharon laughed as she told me she thought they were silly at first and teased Jan relentlessly, but now they're the most valuable thing I own. Sharon shared how some years the answers stayed the same, but at other times the answers were wildly different and even contradicting. One year early in our relationship, she told me what she wanted me to know for sure was that my lack of planning would end our relationship. Many, many years later, she told me she loved me because my spontaneity helped her have fun and allowed her to be free and happy. At Jan's memorial service, her niece, her minister, and Sharon each read selections from her lifetime's worth of letters these passages brought Jan to life again, and they deepened the connection to her for so many people who loved her. There is beauty in the creative form of credos. You can capture what you believe in so many different ways. I'd like to offer you some guided statements to open your minds and hearts to the spiritual practice. When I am no longer on this earth, look for me in. I believe. My heart is most full when. I want to be remembered for. I find my greatest purpose in. And I'll repeat those one more time. When I am no longer on this earth, look for me in. I believe. My heart is most full when. I want to be remembered for. I find my greatest purpose in. In getting ready to preach this sermon, I asked some of my loved ones these questions and I'd like to share one response that I received This one comes from a dear mentor. She says, when I'm no longer on this earth, look for me in your fears. As I got older and wiser, I challenged myself more. I wanted to value growing over being comfortable. I wanted to take risks and I wanted to bet on myself even when I was afraid. I believe so much of our growth and our connection to each other come when we are afraid. So, when you are afraid, remember me, look for me, feel me close. I love you in your fears. As Unitarian Universalists, we believe in a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and we encourage each other's spiritual growth. Credos contains such rich, rich soil for growth. Your beliefs are valuable and they deserve the best nutrients. And your beliefs have a profound impact on the world around you. We are always coming of age. May we take refuge in credos and may we find great, great meaning there for ourselves for those we love, and for those who surround us. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Our benediction today comes from Brene Brown. Owning our worthiness is the act of acknowledging that we are sacred. Perhaps embracing vulnerability and overcoming numbing is ultimately about the care and feeding of our spirits. May you go forth caring for your spirits in the now as we have the great gift of time. Let us keep this faith beloveds and pass it on The service begins where the service ends. Bless your heart. Amen.
1: Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. There you go, I will go For your people are my people Your people are mine Your people are my people Your divine, my divine Please visit
0: ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.